Greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Pastor Dwight Oswald, and today our devotional finds us in Matthew 25 as we are considering the parable of the ten virgins. I've titled this devotional, Nobody Can Do It For You. In the parable of the ten virgins, Matthew 25, 1-13, five were wise and five were foolish. The wise were prepared for the coming of the bridegroom in that they had secured oil for their lamps. The foolish had no oil and were unprepared. Suddenly the bridegroom appeared, and foolish virgins, the foolish virgins besought the wise for some of their oil. Matthew 25, 9. We pick it up in the middle of the parable. Matthew 25, 9. But the wise answered, saying, No, they wouldn't share. No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. What? What is this? The wise refuse to share? Isn't caring sharing? Bob Deffenbaugh says, quote, This is not because the five wise virgins were selfish. In the context of the story, sharing their oil may have meant that all ten would run short of oil. But when we come to the interpretation of this parable, we can see that the saved cannot share what they have in Christ with the lost. The lost will not enter heaven based on the salvation others have received. Each person is accountable for his own choices. End of quote. If oil represents the personal possession of the Spirit, then what is being communicated is that the Spirit cannot be imparted from one person to another. No one can receive the Spirit for someone else or impart the Spirit to someone else. Each person must exercise personal faith. Each person must individually individually receive the Spirit on the basis of personal faith. Galatians 3.2 says, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And then in Galatians 3.14, That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The parable continues in Matthew 25, verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Here is the point. Those without oil were unprepared to go with the bridegroom when he came. Those with oil were ready, and on his arrival, they went in with him to the wedding. The phrase, those who were ready, verse 10, reveals the main point of the parable. Because, this is a quote from the Moody Bible Commentary, the phrase, those who are ready, verse 10, reveals the main point of the parable, namely, that here readiness is preparedness before he returns. The coming of the Lord in the rapture and the start of the day of the Lord will be completely unexpected. And unless one is prepared before that time, he will face the hardship of the tribulation period. End of quote. And then we read these ominous words, and the door was shut. It was too late for the unprepared. The door was shut. They could not get in. Once the Lord returns, there will be neither time nor opportunity to change course. The door will be shut. There is a point of no return when it is too late. For those left behind, it will be too late to join in the wedding festivities. Death is a point of no return. It is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. Hebrews 9.27 The return of the Lord is also a point of no return. Judgment at that 
point is inescapable. The foolish who were unprepared were not allowed to come to the wedding. They are locked out. Ultimately, if people die without knowing the Lord or are not ready at the final phase of the second coming, they will be shut out of the kingdom. Matthew 25, 11 and 12, the parable continues. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Afterward is too late. These virgins came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us, as they too wanted in. But the door was shut, and they were locked out. Lord is the Greek word kurios, meaning master. The repetition of Lord, Lord emphasizes strong emotion and intensity. They passionately want in, but it's too late. The master responded by saying, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. This is the very same language that false disciples will say to Jesus on Judgment Day, and the same response that he will give to them as seen in Matthew 7, 21-23. There we read, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The five foolish virgins portrayed here in the parable are false disciples who never knew the Lord. They outwardly claimed to know the Lord, but in truth they did not prepare, and in the end are found not to be ready for the Master's return. In spite of their outward appearances, they never really prepared themselves for the Lord's return. They never really knew the Lord. The problem is they say, Master, Master, but Jesus is not their Master. They have the language of a true believer, but not the life of a true believer. Consistently in these parables, we see the warning against being a pretender. We saw it in the parable of the evil servant in Matthew 24, 45-51, who thought the Master was delaying his coming and therefore began to abuse his fellow servants and carouse with the world. In the end, this evil servant was exposed as a hypocrite and destined to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not that these five foolish virgins are portrayed as losing their salvation. Rather, the problem is Jesus never knew them. They never had a true lordship relationship with him. They say Lord, but he was never truly their Lord. <clears throat> and that is the ultimate issue, both in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, and also in this parable. We don't always know who are the genuine and who are the phonies. The wheat and the tares do grow together. The ten virgins supposedly await side by side. We don't always know. We are fruit inspectors, but God alone is the final judge, and in the end, he alone will make the final call. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal, the Lord knows, those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. The Lord knows... But note the qualifier that if you name the name of the Lord, the evidence should be seen in turning away from wickedness in life. Don't be deceived. Three times in the New Testament we are warned, do not be deceived. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Ephesians 5, 6, and 1 John 3, 7. How a person lives tells on their heart. 1 John 3, 7, let little children, let no one deceive you. 
who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. And again, 1 John 3.10, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Well, the parable finishes out this way. Jesus says, Matthew 25.13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. This matches the language in the previous two parables. It matches the parable of the thief coming in the night in Matthew 24, 42 through 44. And the exhortation to watch and be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. It matches the warning in the parable of the two servants where the evil servant thinks and lives like his master is delayed his coming. In response, Matthew 24, 50 says... The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour that he is not aware of. Likewise, the same warning is given here in 25.13 to watch because you do not know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. This is the bottom line repeated over and over for emphasis. Jesus gives a warning to be watching because we don't know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Again, this language applies to the rapture, the first phase of Christ's coming, which will come unexpectedly as a thief in the night. The implication is that those who truly know the Lord are expected to be watching and waiting. The truly saved are ready in that they truly know the Lord as Lord and Savior, and they are looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13. Hebrews 9.28 says, To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. When the Lord comes, there will be no time to prepare. So one must get ready before he comes. Again, Bob Deffenbaugh says, quote, Jesus is warning us in this parable that there will be a number of people who look like Christians, who associate with Christians, and who even think they are Christians, who will be shocked to learn that they are not saved at the return of our Lord. What a sobering thought. This text is not seeking to create uncertainty and doubt in the heart of the Christian. It is not seeking to rob the Christian of his assurance, but it is seeking to warn those who have a false assurance, but not salvation. Note that phrase in verse 10, those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. This again emphasizes dual imminency. The coming of the Lord is like two sides of a doorway. On one side you have those who are ready, who will go to be with the Lord when he comes. On the other side are those who are not ready and who are shut out under judgment. The foolish are those who claim to be Christians, but in truth they are not saved. They are on the wrong side of the door and will be repudiated by the Lord, whose name they speak seemingly so sincere. Alfred Plummer says, The closed doors, which to those who were ready meant security and untold bliss, to others meant banishment and untold gloom. Joseph Stoll says, quote, I've known about the second coming of Jesus ever since I was a boy, primarily because every Sunday of the new year my dad would preach a sermon that announced, This may be the Lord, this may be the year that our Lord will return. I recall I recall it like it was yesterday. The trauma that 
statement struck in my heart when I was six years old. I wondered, what if my dad is right? Everyone in my family would go to be with Jesus, but I would be left behind. So when we got home from church, I asked my dad how I could be included in that event. And that day, my dad led me to the Lord as my Savior. Matthew 25, 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Maranatha, perhaps today, live ready.